Hello and welcome to Audio Mission from CMS, the Church Mission Society. I'm Trevor Smith and this edition is something of an Asia special as we meet some of the key players in the recently launched Asia CMS as well as mission partners in Nepal. Over the past few years, CMS has been putting its vision of everywhere to everywhere mission into practice by giving birth to new sister missions. It started with CMS Africa and in March this year, Asia CMS had its official launch in Malaysia. It's aimed to advance God's mission by training and resourcing leaders. Lorne Ling of Asia CMS talked to Sarah Holmes about the training program they've put in place, Asia Gateway, and why it's needed. Asia Gateway is really a training, mission training partnership. And the goal is to prepare pre-field candidates as well as uh, mission personnel and executives and pastors and leaders to get them to be more equipped, to uh, interact, to engage with the uh, non-Christian world in Asia. And it was set up because you at Asia CMS with your partners thought there was a gap in the market? Yes, certainly that is true. And most seminaries, for example, in Malaysia, they would have just uh, one or two mission courses. And usually they're just optional courses, but they don't have a full program, uh, not even a mission department to look into a full comprehensive program on mission studies. So definitely we, we see that as a need. Also, I think this program that we're developing is not just an academic program, nor is it just some practical training, but we aim to integrate theories and practice uh, into a very uh, holistic and integrated mission leadership program. Have you had the first lot of students go through any training? Because I think the training was only launched, or when was it launched, I should ask? Just this year we started, and we had our first batch of training in March. And that consisted of uh, nine students, a real big um, a mixed bag of people, two from India, two from Pakistan, one from Mongolia, one from Nepal, one from South Korea, and one from Hong Kong so, and Malaysia. So I think it's really a good group of uh, uh, trainees. But, but this, this training that we just had is a three-week intensive training of trainers. So these trainees, and actually they are potential trainers themselves, and they are very experienced workers already, but they want to equip themselves to train others in cross-cultural ministry. So that's why they attended our course. I understand you had some very positive feedback. Can you share some of that with us? Yes, it's very interesting. This group of nine trainees lived together for three weeks. Most of them were guys, and they have to live in a dormitory style, which they're not really used to at this age because all these are very senior workers. They have not lived like a student, they said. They are now back to school, they felt like. But that three weeks really helped them to uh, learn how to live with uh, one another. And um, they really also grew in um, their uh, friendship uh, with each other because I think four in a room, four in a dorm, they had to stay with. And <laughs> so it was real struggle. But at the end of it, they benefited from their community living because it's a multicultural community and adjusting to one another is not easy. Um, secondly, I think the, the courses that they studied, um, they said they've never done most of these courses before some of them said we we need we have been practicing some of the things that you have you said but we didn't realize that this meant that uh it was this 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 you know i mean trying to put the theory now to the the rationale now behind what they have been doing 
and that helped them to uh, consolidate and to to evaluate all the while the ministry that they've been doing and I think that really was a good, great benefit for them they said yes. You said off the tape that it's something that Asia CMS has facilitated and you are one of the driving sort of forces behind it but you're very much into the whole idea of partnership and you've got various other organisations who are helping I guess to fund it and, and to manage it. Could you mention um, those people? So this Asia Gateway training is a partnership of um, four or five agencies. Uh, Asia CMS is one and we have InterServe. OM, OMF, and SIM East Asia, and two mainland denomination churches, the Methodist Church and the Anglican Church of uh, West Malaysia. So um, together, we uh, work towards this uh, uh, building this partnership of mission training. Yes, And just to close, um, one or two prayer points, Loon? I think as... um, all of us who've uh, been through kind of starting something new would, would know that it's very challenging uh, to start something new and everybody will ask, why, why are you here? What do you do? We have lots of things already here, uh, lots of agencies and training and what are you adding to the pool that we, already, we don't already have? So I think that's very challenging to convince people that um, there's something that we could offer uh, that will help the church to grow in their mission. So I think that's one. So please pray with us and for us as we start. We're still at the infancy stage. So all the birth pangs. <laughs> so and and secondly, I think um, I feel is uh, we hope that uh, eventually we will become a, a model or a, an a example for for others in the region to see that well uh, we can work together. Um, even though we come from different backgrounds and churches uh, and we can have a a, a really healthy, comprehensive um, kingdom or holistic perspective so that we can pull all our resources together and uh, do a better job. I think that is our goal and pray that we can achieve that goal and that dream of ours. One of the trainers on that first Asia Gateway program was CMS mission partner and former member of staff Bedina Vanden Torren. Bedina, who is Dutch, also taught for several years in a Bible school in the Central African Republic. She told Sarah about her experience of teaching on Asia Gateway. What word would you use to sum up the whole experience of being a teacher on this first Asia Gateway training of tutors program? It was an incredible privilege to to share this time with these beautiful people, but also an inspiration. My, my deep hope and desire is that the things we've learned together in this course, we will be able to take next time when I will be teaching in Africa and share that with the students there and, and help them uh, perhaps reflect on that and possibly bring that back later again in Asia. And, and so, so to sort of have this this learning as a as a, a learning across continents not just across cultures but across continents because we are a worldwide mission community so it was quite an eye-opener the breadth and range of different cultures that you met all together yes it surely was it's here we were in a group of of mission leaders uh, for example a woman from hong kong who uh, has been working over the last years in Nepal, in Kathmandu, and wider, 
to train and help women in, in leadership in the church, for example, or a man from Pakistan who works with drug and alcohol addicts and uh, people really on the streets uh, of Pakistan and somebody else uh, doing the same type of work but then in Nepal, so in a Hinduistic culture. Yeah, and other people as well uh, from, from Mongolia, from South Korea, so, so many different cultures and different ways of engaging with what mission looks like and... and uh, how we serve God in mission. So you were there to sort of teach them, but did you feel that they had already learnt a lot just working on, on the job? Yeah, sure. There was a lot of wisdom in the room. And I think a lot of the learning uh, was around sharing experience. So what often would happen is that I would bring in some, some framework of thinking around culture, things like, what is culture? How do you understand culture? And if you see, if you approach a different culture, you see the difference. Why is that difference? Why does that exist? Are there reasons why people behave differently? Possibly very good reasons. So are there also possibilities to learn from that difference? And, and so those sort of frameworks, when you introduce them, and, and also, of course, more philosophical thinking around culture, when you introduce it, then people start sort of grasping with it and, and bringing examples of what you've just been talking about from their real life situations from very different situations and so a lot of the learning was an exchange of 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 experience and questions and all those sort of things was there any common denominator or one sort of thing that they all sort of said yes we all do that can you think of anything you were talking about examples or or maybe there's one example of something that someone did that seemed to work particularly well don't find that an easy question. I think what is very central, what is very common for, well, what they have in common is within all this diversity, they will find each other in Christ. So, so what is your identity? Your identity is Indian. Your identity may be Nepali or Mongolian, but we are together in one identity in Christ. Does that mean we become one soup all the same sort of color no of course not there is this beautiful diversity of all these differences even within india all these differences from the north to the south and and actually that beauty of diversity contributes to the beauty of the understanding of the gospel the gospel grows by in our understanding by through all these different approaches so I think one of the discussions that touched me most was at some point we started to discuss the meaning of the cross in different cultures. And what does the cross mean for somebody who's in the gutter in Pakistan? And what does it mean for a woman who lives in the high mountains of Nepal and who sees her church struggling in a Hinduistic environment with poverty? and oppression and sometimes violence what does the cross of jesus mean there and what does salvation look like in those type of situations and i must confess maybe i'm the one who learned most in that way by, by just hearing their struggles around those those huge concepts and it's a wonderful opportunity for uh, mission workers in asia to have this training program and those that were have been on your course will then take 
what they've learned and help train other potential leaders? Is that the idea? Absolutely. That's totally the idea. Yeah. And they will do that locally, but possibly also regionally or nationally. And any prayer points for uh, the Asia Gateway programme, Bedina? Yes, I think it would be really good if people will pray for the students. They all go back to very challenging situations and they are very passionate about their work, about God, about the people they are serving. And um, they need wisdom and strength and uh, really an understanding that they are part of God's mission. Badina van den Toren on the exciting development of Asia Gateway. Our last interview in this Asia special takes us to Nepal, where mission partners Jean and Paul Dobbing are working in the capital Kathmandu. Paul works for a Christian-based computer software company, and Jean helps with women's leadership training in a program organised by CMS Timothy mission partner Manoj Pradhananga. Paul came into the CMS offices in Oxford recently, and Jeremy Woodham took the chance to talk to him, and started by asking Paul how visible the fast-growing church in Nepal is in daily life. More and more in Kathmandu, uh, one encounters Christians daily, which I suppose is a, a positive and encouraging sign of the church growth there. So there are a lot of churches in Kathmandu Valley itself. It's highest concentration of churches, but only because it's the capital city and it's the highest concentration of population as well in the country. You work for a a software company and a lot of what your work kind of involves i mean you make a great product which maybe we'll we'll talk about but seems to be about uh sort of witness in in the workplace staff that work for us they're kind of in it for the long haul as it were and really uh one's kind of actions and behaviors are observed um, especially with being uh, a foreigner and you're already by default you're different seen as and known as being different and not so much being watched or studied but people do acknowledge the difference and uh, now and again sometimes some of the staff will ask me what is such and such about your faith why do you you know why do you practice your faith and such and uh, one question a while ago uh, one chap got me on his own and he said um, he's a Hindu chap the Hindus sacrifice various beasts animals um, as part of their rituals and he said why does it have to be a person that died so it was a great opportunity to share the gospel in, in that way so um, I think we're to be salt and light but we're also to be prepared in what we say as well so mm. that's that's it's a great thing it's an opportunity it's a challenge as well so it's a christian based company but employees of different religions that's right our, most of our staff because we hire from the local markets and we build staff capacity from the local place of Kathmandu uh, most are Hindu uh, with one or two Buddhist and you also invest in some young Christian students so what's the, the thinking behind that well, it's giving opportunity primarily where the opportunity would not otherwise have been have been available to such young people. Uh, and then a longer term aim or goal is that they will eventually be thrust out into industry in, in Nepal, in Kathmandu. 
and there will be a Christian presence and influence in a country that that really uh, would benefit from you know, such a presence of uh, integrity, hard work, uh, willingness, and all these uh, such things. Uh, doing these things as part of a daily job. And Jean is also um, investing in the future of the church there in a different way. That's right. Jean, my wife, is involved in a small organisation, Leadership Training Development. And they also source people from churches around the country, but this time women of churches around the country, and offer them a month-long course in Kathmandu. Um, on one level, to build their th- their belief and their faith in terms of teaching them core doctrine um, and related top Christian uh, theological topics um, and also practical topics, uh, church management, how to run an evangelistic event and even looking at areas these days of uh, helping people in a compassionate way that have HIV and AIDS and are ostracised or uh, sideline for that for that reason what kind of difference does this this course make for these women i think the women certainly report i mean it's one measure of uh success and uh progress of the course is that the women themselves report that they've a great increase in confidence and uh, a new boldness to preach and to pray and these things and uh, to take that opportunity really to be able to connect with god Uh, to be able to listen to God, to be able to obey God and um, live live that through their life, really. Is it common for women to take the lead in Nepal? It's actually common uh, for the men, a very patriarchal society in the country still, uh, in this modern or postmodern era, Um, very traditional and patriarchal. The women are um, very much seen as... How to say in a nice way less of a presence or person uh, in society although they obviously have their very specific and definite role in community and society that being the role of the family bringing up children and keeping the house and cooking uh, sourcing and cooking food yeah but through this course these women are discovering they've got a lot to offer as well as as that role yeah they I think what they've got to offer stems from the fact that they have actually got value in God's eyes and they there's the realisation of that during the course. Perhaps that's not a direct topic of study in the course, but what comes through in the teaching um, is the value of the person primarily, the value of the individual and that they are loved completely by God. What would you like people especially to pray for over, over the, the coming months? I think um, Nepal remains, according to the uh, the big international development organisations, the likes of United Nations, it remains one of the most impoverished countries in the world. We're a very low um, GDP, and um, that, on a day-to-day basis, uh, translates directly into people's kind of dignity and their ability to. Uh, raise a family with a good education and good health and uh, I I would ask people to pray uh, for the country for um, in terms of my faith for the raising up of individuals of integrity that are able to lead the people so that's at a country level I also would say to people to pray for the church 
uh, and the, the growing church it does not grow without its pains also and I always ask people to pray for us so I'm not shy to um, ask for that because we need your prayer Paul Dobbing, mission partner in Nepal asking for your prayers Naomi Rose Steinberg, CMS Publications Manager was at the launch of Asia CMS in Kuala Lumpur and now she reflects on what we've heard What's your name? Where are you from? What do you do? Go to a dinner party, church service, business seminar, and you'll be asked these questions by people trying to figure out who you are. All of these questions pertain to identity. I was struck by Berdina's description of the Asia Gateway training, this group of people from various cultures coming together. Within all this diversity, she says, people find each other in Christ. She said your cultural identity may be Indian, Nepali or Pakistani, but simultaneously together we all share our identity in Christ. Yet, she asserts this doesn't mean we all become the same. And herein is one of the seeming paradoxes of Christianity. Our individual uniqueness coincides with the fact that we know our faith is meant to be lived out in community. How can we do that? How can we be a recognizably unified community of faith without subverting our personalities, our culture, our experiences? Perhaps we all need to go on Asia Gateway training to hammer out these questions. It might help to keep in mind the words and actions of the incarnate Christ, the one in whom we are supposed to find our identity. He was born into a specific culture and yet purposefully encountered those from other cultures. He listened to people and let himself be affected by their lives and their stories. He challenged people to be identified by love for others. In the Ragamuffin Gospel, Brennan Manning says, My deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus Christ, and I have done nothing to earn it or deserve it. That's something we can all say about ourselves as individuals and as a community in Christ. Perhaps it's something to keep in mind the next time we ask people those stock questions about who they are. Where are you from? What do you do? And do you know that you are deeply loved and somehow it has nothing to do with any of these things? Naomi Rose Steinberg bringing this edition of Audio Mission to a close. Thank you for listening and thank you as ever for your prayers which are so appreciated as we've heard from our interviewees. Join me next month for more voices from the front line of God's mission around the world.